most people who try and outsource their social media are just kind of wasting their money, to be honest, because I feel like no one can ever do what you can do or say what you can do. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brand Therapy. I'm Phil. And I'm Lauren. And this is a podcast where we take lots of branding challenges, business challenges, and we unpack them to find a solution that's hopefully helpful to you. It's certainly helpful to the person that we talk to, but the whole goal is we get them on the phone, listen to them, work through it, and also you learn something in the process. Now this episode, we always say it's exciting, but this one involves a celebrity. She's waiting in the wings. Phil, I was literally starstruck for this episode. I have such Mm -hmm. a girl crush on Janet. Well, I should probably say her full name, Janet Murray from the UK. Mm. She is so knowledgeable. She is such a hard worker. I find her so inspiring. And there was a point in this conversation where you can hear me like and my the wheels in my brain turning, not wanting to make a fool out of myself and wanting to ask Janet the right questions because she's just so brilliant. It's a bit like being on the phone with Miranda Priestly. Like, get to your <laughs> question, get what you need, get out, because this woman is busy and she's popular. And you know what? She inspires a lot of people. I'm very proud and very fortunate to, you know, I consider myself in Janet's community. So I've met a lot of people at her events. I've done many of her events. We've known each other for years. We met years ago. Janet and I came up with her her book title when we sat and did a brand audit. Jenna has very kindly referred to me as some of the most valuable business investment that she's made. I'm really super proud of how her her brand has grown over the years. And if anyone knows how to build community and how to create content out of anything, it is Jenna Murray. It sure is. Well, with Miranda Priestley in mind, that's all. Let's get to the episode. <laughs> Let's do it. Here's our conversation with the one, the only Jenna Murray. Alert, alert, people. This is a very exciting moment, one that I've been very excited about for a long freaking time. Janet Murray, whose name has probably been mentioned on this podcast more than any other expert floating out there around the world. Janet is now on the phone with us. She is an expert and she's taking minutes out of her day to hang out with us. Janet, welcome to Brand Therapy. Thank you for having me. She's very British thing to say, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's lovely. Everything British is lovely. Yeah, I'm learning these ways. So I know you very well. We joke around because we are like, you know, we pretend we're like work um, husband and wife because you invite me to your events and we do cute <laughs> things together. And I always remind everyone else, like, I know Janet really well, okay? We've known each other for a long time. I remember you just as you were like <laughs> starting stuff. But Lauren, you don't know Janet as well, right? I'm realizing now. I don't know if you guys have ever talked. I don't think we have, but it's so, I mean, this is a real testament to how great you are online, Janet, because I've heard your voice in your podcast and in your Instagram story videos. I've seen your newsletters. I see your posts on LinkedIn and it feels like I know you and I've spoken with you, but I actually haven't at all. This is so, well, so I feel fascinating. Like I've, I've met you as well. I feel like we've met. Uh, I was yeah, I wasn't sure if we had, because it's like that, isn't it, when you're online? Yes. It is. It is. And actually, this is funny because... When I tell Lauren, I'm having lunch with Janet, I'm catching up with Janet tonight, we're going to go out for dinner, we're meeting briefly. Lauren always has a few questions. She keeps waiting in the wings, like, can you ask Janet how to do this? (laughs) Ask Janet this. Can you ask, can you get Janet's perspective on this? So, so 
rather than me asking the first question, which I always do, Lauren, I'm going to give you the honors. You get honors with a with a U. Oh, H-O-N-O-U-R-S because we're in England. I'm going to give you the honors to ask Janet the first question. Great. Well, first I'll shake off my American conforming with how we write things here and go back to my Canadian roots. But I'm honored, Janet, with a U, to ask you, you know, I think what we're most hoping to cover this call that most of our clients have struggles with is how to create content out of anything. I mean, you are the master and you're so great at pulling a thread. So for clients who have like writer's block every time they sit down to write a newsletter or think of a course or a blog post, what's your advice? I think people make a mistake when it comes to creating content for their business on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. Because they're doing business, they feel like they have to talk about business. Whereas I feel that the kind of conversations that you just have with your friends over Facebook Messenger, the kind of things you talk about in the pub, the kind of just things that you like to chat about. I mean, I would say that your best social media content should actually be the kind of thing you would put on your own personal Facebook walls or your own personal account. And I test lots of ideas there before I go and put them out. But for example, as we're talking today, I have a viral post on LinkedIn that came from um, just a conversation that I saw on Facebook. And this lady posted something up and she said something like, most men want an ambitious woman until they get one, which is quite interesting in itself. And it had lots of comments. But then this guy popped up and he said something like, well, you know, ambitious women, they're just a real turnoff to men because, you know, they're just too masculine and men like feminine women and it's just a massive turnoff. So I took that quote and I took it over to LinkedIn and just thought, well, this is a platform where people are interested in work. They're interested in how men and women are perceived, particularly, you know, in relation to career and work. I'm just going to run with this. So I just basically posted, you know, saw this this saw this guy post something on Facebook the other day and, and, and just use that quote that I've just shared with you. What do you guys think? Like, do you agree or disagree? Are are, are, um, are ambitious women unattractive? So as I just checked it before we got on here, it's got like well over 200 comments and, and 25,000 wow. views. And it's just something that I saw that I thought was interesting <laughs> and, um, and I knew people would want to talk about. And I actually, I've come up with a, a system, like six types of content that I think work really well on LinkedIn, but actually on any platform. And that's an example of what I would call it is a grenade post. That when you sort of deliberately take something that you know people will have an opinion about, you know they'll probably be divided about, and you just kind of put it out there and you let people have conversations. So for me, it's just like, what are your friends talking about? Like, what are you chatting to people about on Facebook Messenger? Like, what, you know, just just kind of what's going on that people actually want to talk about. And I think people make the mistake of thinking it has to be all serious and business. Does that kind of make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. I also think. I want to get your perspective on this, but people think that everything has to be completely original when actually what you post could be inspired by maybe something you saw somewhere else. And I'll give an example. Last week, I was going through my Evernote, which was the platform I used ages ago to just organize my business, my life. And I'm trying to get back on there to actually create an archive, some kind of inventory of all the things I've done that I can search by keyword and repurpose content, which is obviously something we're going to talk about. But as I'm in there, I saw a screenshot of a status update that I liked from over a year ago in ClickFunnels, the Facebook group. And I actually, Lauren, I didn't even tell you this. The post that I did on Facebook last week that got 120 comments was not original. 
It's not mm-hmm. original. It's one that I saw in Click. Oh, really? I saw it in Click Funnels a year ago. And the question was, I rewrote it. I didn't plagiarize. I'm not a bad student. Hello. I rewrote it slightly. But the, the question was, if you could give a 30 minute presentation with zero preparation, what would the topic be? Oh, I posted I that. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So, and I thought, yeah. I actually didn't think that people were going to respond to it. And it got 120 comments. And I did a Facebook Live the next day about it, challenging people to take what they told me they would do and go live with it. Love it. I, oh, I'm so happy you like it. I was like thinking about you while I was doing this. I'm like, I hope Janet's proud. <laughs> but that's an example, right? So, so it doesn't even have to be original. Maybe just be smart about what you consume online and think about how can I take this and twist it and make it my own and not overthink this. Yeah. And for me, it's just about starting conversations. That's what you did there. If you just started a conversation, didn't you, about something that you thought your audience would have something to say about it. And I do think people overcomplicate things, like any type of post. It doesn't have to be prerogative. It can just simply be just a conversation stuff. Like, you know, what are people talking about? I had a conversation with a client the other day where she was saying something about asking her husband, like, like whether it would be okay to do something. And I was chatting to my designer afterwards and she said that she'd seen somebody else do a post, which was, like, do you have to ask your husband's permission to make decisions in your business? And together, we decided that would be a really interesting post. But again, it wasn't original. It was something that my designer had seen someone else posting. And I think that's absolutely fine. Like, if you could get a conversation going, and, you know, ideally, it's something that was kind of linked, linked to your business, then great. Yeah, yeah. That raises a really good point. So a lot of our clients... It's interesting because they come to us and they know they need to be on social media. They know they need to have a newsletter, but they also struggle with kind of what's the point because it requires a lot of energy and time to make your social media successful. So for people who have trouble seeing what the value of a comment is or the value of a like, if it's not directly leading to business, what would you say to them? Oh my God, I love this question so much. <laughs> so, uh, another um, conversation that I started over on LinkedIn, and they, I do call them conversations because that's basically what I'm doing most of the time, was if you're not getting any interaction on LinkedIn, is there any point in posting at all? And I pointed out that when I scroll through my feed in the morning, what I generally see is loads of coaches and consultants and experts, kind of people I tend to work with. And they're just posting stuff, like they're just posting like articles that they've read, they're posting pictures themselves, doing stuff, or like those those stupid quotes, you know, those like motivational quotes or whatever. And <laughs> yep. no one is ever, ever, ever commenting on anything that they say, right? So no one, and, and I'm scrolling through and I'm trying to find like one comment. And I find myself thinking, like, why would you do that? Why would you just keep, it's almost like standing in a room like going into a room of a load of people and just like talking and like no one's talking yeah. back to you and you just like keep doing it and keep doing it. And and if you did that, like people would probably think you're a bit weird, wouldn't they? But people are doing this on social media. So the way I see it is, so say for example, I was looking for somebody to, to work with on something like, I don't know, videography or Facebook ads or whatever I might need help with, or even just, you know, a business coach or something. I'd go and check them out online. And if they were just like posting stuff into a void, I mean, first of all, if they weren't present on there, I would kind of, well, I want to know more about them because I want to, you know, people do business with people. I want to find out more about the, the person. If they're not there, then I can't find out about that person. I can't find any common ground or any personal connections or anything that might make me feel, oh, yeah, this person, you know, we could get on, maybe we could work together. But secondly, if they're just constantly posting and no one's ever, ever, I just think, well, they're probably quite boring aren't they? Because if, if, cause I, had to, I had this debate with somebody on LinkedIn and they were saying, well, you know, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Like maybe that person's getting loads of messages. And I'm like, seriously, if no one 
ever, ever thinks that anything they post is vaguely interesting enough to say something, like somebody just says something at some point. Clearly, they're just pumping out stuff which is of no interest to anyone whatsoever. So I think, like, we forget that nowadays, I mean, like it or not, if people are interested in doing business with us, they're going to check us out online and they're going to see what we're posting, what we're talking about. So if we're not there, if we're not participating, then they can't get to know us, they can't build up that personal connection. They can't kind of have that moment, oh, I'd, like, I'd really like to work with Lauren because, like, she likes clothes as well, like me, and, and I can see that, you know, she's kind of into her fashion stuff and that's something we've got in comment or Phil you know Phil likes traveling he likes like eating out and you know me and Phil I think we've got so you can't get that going if there's no if there's nothing there you, you can't kind of find that common ground but if you're posting just into a abyss and like nobody's ever ever responding to you then I just kind of think for me that lacks authority and there's no social proof there there's not like you know this person is an expert or authority in their field because everything they post like no one cares about it. like no one cares about them no one cares about what they've got to say so I think it can really really detract from your credibility and your authority and let's face it in most industries there's always choices isn't there like if I want help with branding you know there's Phil I know Phil's the best but there's other people out there who say they do branding and if they're less visible than Phil if they're not having conversations if they're not out there like showing me what they're up to and giving me a sense of who they are I'm just going to move on and look for somebody else so does that kind of make sense? I, I've never heard it framed in, it in the context of authority, but how poignant is that? What a, an important reminder. You know, I, I love that perspective. You are everywhere online, more so than anyone I know. <laughs> how much time do you spend on social media per day? Kind of going back to Lauren's question of like having those conversations. How much time do you spend on social media and how do you delegate some of this responsibility? Because I think you are an absolute master at that. Well, I prioritize it. So I think there's two things that I'm really good at. And one of them is creating content and getting people to engage with me. And the second thing is like sales, you know, and, and selling people, selling my programs and services and, you know, my consulting or whatever. So I feel like they're the things that I should spend my time on because they're the things I'm best at. So I delegate other things that I'm not so good at and that, you know, and not, probably not a good use of my time. So I feel like probably a couple of hours a day or something. I mean, I, I kind of make it my business in the morning to go around all my social media networks and make sure that I just posted something that's kind of relevant and timely. And, and for me, everything's I have a purpose. So I don't just post things for the sake of it. I'm usually leading people towards a particular program or event or something that I'm doing. And then I would probably do that in the morning and then maybe pop back at lunchtime, pop back later on in the day. So, I mean, people think that it's this big time suck, but actually if you're quite disciplined about it, like you need to say, well, I'm just going to spend 10, no, before we got on this call, I had a fair 10 minutes. So I went back to my LinkedIn viral post and just responded to a few more comments because I do think if people are commenting and having conversations with you, you owe it to them to, to kind of talk back to them and not ignore them. And you obviously can delegate part of that. And I have done that before where I've got like members of my team and they manage, my, they manage my messages, actually. So they look after my messages on my Facebook page, sometimes on Instagram and sometimes on LinkedIn. So they'll help me out with that. But pretty much it's quite important for me that, like, I mean, I mean, another sort of like high horse for me <laughs> is that most people who try and outsource their social media are just kind of wasting their money, to be honest, because I feel like no one can ever do what you can do or say what you can do. So... So although there's plenty of people out there that you can delegate your social media to, I've just never seen anyone manage to do it well. Like I've seen people manage to outsource parts of it. Like, you know, so for me, if I, if I shoot a little video, it probably doesn't make sense for me to edit it and put the captions and I could send that to somebody else or, 
you know, if I've got a podcast episode, I'm probably not going to make the podcast teasers, the little video files myself, get somebody else to do that. But, but actually coming up with the ideas and starting the conversations and writing the copy, I feel like that's my thing. And even if writing wasn't my thing, then I could jump on video and do it, or I could tell somebody else what to write, but it would still be my thing. And I feel like if you want to have the authentic connection, then it's got to come from you. There's ways to like reduce your time and there's ways to like make it easier. But I do, I don't know whether you agree with this, Phil, or not, but I feel like it, it has to be you. And, you know, you can't outsource all of that. And if you do, it, it just doesn't kind of work. I completely agree. I love hearing that from you. And I have a hard time when I'm sitting here looking at my task list for the day and the, the 10 things I'm already laid on, I have a hard time prioritizing myself over, let's say, a client project that's got a deadline in a few days. So to hear that from you, I need to think about that from that literally that soundbite because I often sweep my own stuff to the side. And that has a really detrimental effect on it when I look back on it. You know, I would say about a year and a half, I prioritize other things in my life and not my own brand. And I kind of look back on it and went, what have I done? Or what have I not done? Where am I at? And I've kind of slowly been getting back into the game, jumping on live and spending time. It takes me forever to post on social media. So to hear from you, like that should be something you you prioritize if you are the brand. It's kind of therapeutic in a way. Yeah, well, for me, it's like brand first. It's my stuff first. And I do client work in the afternoon. So what works for me is I don't speak to anyone before midday, <laughs> which makes me sound like a oh, prima donna. But <laughs> no, I love that. Oh, I love Janet. I could talk to her forever and I could learn a lot from her. We're going to keep learning from her, but let's pause for a moment. Pause. I guess maybe we're just really inspired by Janet, but we have a whole bunch of content for you listeners on our website. So Tell us about it. What do we have? <laughs> Great. So first we've got our blog post of the week is how to make content out of anything. I'm not going to lie. Most of the stuff in this post is straight from Janet's brilliant mouth. But, mm -hmm. you know, thanks, Janet. Our readers are going to love it. <laughs> Next is our free download, which is our content repurposing workflow. So if you're someone who's strapped for time, who knows they need to publish a content calendar and can't stick with it and doesn't know where to begin, this download is for you. If you want to save time, if you want to be able to create lots of content out of one long form piece of content, this, I'm telling you, this download is something you can't miss. This is a strategy we use. I believe Janet uses this as well. Gary V very famously uses this and now you will use it. I know it's an overwhelming topic. That's why we distilled it down to one page so that this is actionable. You're welcome. That's all I have to say. Can we get back to Janet now? Let's do it. I agree with you. I think that it is impossible, completely impossible to outsource social media and have it truly live up to its full potential. I really do. There's just nothing that can replicate the person, like the brand as like coming from the person who is the brand itself. We've actually stopped We've we've started discouraging clients from outsourcing content creation to us just because it's so much more powerful to give people the tools where they can use social media on their own and become comfortable with yep. it. So I'm definitely on the same page as you. Yeah, I'd rather people post less and post better than post more and post garbage. I think there's just so much noise that whatever you do put out there should be 
authentic. I hate that word, but it should be true from you. And it should be how you feel. It should be your perspective, your opinion to kind of stay on people's radar, right? Yeah. And I think also you can recycle a lot. Like I recycle the same posts across multiple platforms. And sometimes I even do it at the same time um, with just slight little tweaks. And I think sometimes people feel paranoid that, oh, people might say, oh, I just read this post on Facebook or I just read it on Instagram. But actually it's fine because most of us find that we naturally attract slightly different audiences on different platforms. So it's fine to mix it up and you can take a post that's done well on Instagram and maybe post it on LinkedIn a few days later or, or put it on Facebook. You know, I don't think we constantly have to be creating new stuff all the time. And I'm always like, trying to I don't know find just just find content in things that I'm already doing so you know if I'm creating a course is there a slide or something that I can take out of there or is there a handout I'm working on that I I could use and turn into a piece of content so for me it's about not constantly creating everything new and just like one of my best engaged posts ever (laughs) was I was sat in the hairdressers having my hair done and there were dogs in the hairdressers and I was just sat there thinking I'm not a massive fan of dogs. So I'm in their hairdressers and they're running up and down the stairs. I'm not sure if I like it, but I know some people love dogs. So dogs and hairdressers, yes or no? That was my post was from my chair in the hairdressers. How long did that take? It took me like 30 seconds or something to post that. Dogs and hairdressers, yay or nay? And by the time I came out for hairdressers, I had over 100 comments. I couldn't actually get to them <laughs> in time. And it, it's just those sort of little observational moments. And then some people will say to me, well, you know, how's that relevant to your business? Well, for me, that's, you know, that's really relevant to my business because, you know, I'm making decisions. For me, it's like a marketing thing. Like, you know, if you run a hairdresser, there's trendy hairdressers in Shoreditch in East London. Like, you know, it's probably kind of okay to have a couple of little trendy dogs running around. Like, if you're somewhere else in the country, then that actually might not, you know, it's for me, it's like a marketing thing. It's a business development thing. It's a branding thing. And it's always like bringing it back to business. And sometimes, I mean, I had this like client recently who was like, Janet, I'm really stuck. Like, I can't think of any ideas for what to post um, on my social media. I was like, what do you do? I run a cat hotel. And you know, he's just like, a cat hotel. Oh my God, just let me get my hands on one. (laughs) Because, you know, you run a cat hotel and you're just going to be, you know, as long as you've got the owner's permission, you're just going to, this is going to be content coming out of your years isn't there like you know just just in your day-to-day work like this is where the cats sleep they're out playing you know like you can it, I, I think for me it just it just seems so obvious but I, I understand for other people it's almost like a mindset you have to get into yeah. and, and once that kind of clicks for you it's the content is just everywhere yeah I have a two-part question for you on this exact topic how do you quickly keep track of those ideas you get in the moment before you forget them how do you do it and then how do you repurpose content that you may have created a year or two ago? Do you use Evernote or do you use a particular software to put everything in and search by keyword or is it not even that complicated? Because I'm even trying to figure that out for myself. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just use notes on my phone. This is probably not my strong point. Sort of like organizational ninja tips. I mean, I've got a media diary and I help with the content planning, but actually I'm quite spontaneous. so. I just have loads of stuff. If I get an idea and I see something, I'll literally just make a note on my phone. And I use the search function on my notes, actually, on my phone and my Mac because they're synced up. And so I'll just be okay. So, oh, I just remember I did that. And um, yeah, I'm sure I could do it better. I'm sure somebody could come in and probably go through my notes on my phone and be like, wow. Oh my God. Like a whole it's so simple. Content. 
Yeah. I thought so that smart. this is like Wizard of Oz. I thought Jenna had some complicated, incredible inventory <laughs> system on the back end where it's like, oh, yeah, let's do search keyword content repurposing. And it pulls up all the email blasts because really, truly, all your emails and everything is so full of juicy goodness that actually, because you've written it, you remember it, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So simple. So let's not overcomplicate this. I'm notorious for overcomplicating things, right, Lauren? You're like, we oh, both God. we both are. I need a process and Phil needs like, I don't know what a you kick need. In a kick in a the kick ass. Kick in the ass. Kick in the ass to do things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a job in there for someone to come and go through my notes on my phone and create like it. And sometimes I look at I might be just sitting scrolling through photos on my phone, like I found a load of photos the other day from Content Live, the event that you spoke at in the summer, and I was like, oh, I've forgotten about those photos. I wonder what I could do with them. And yeah, I mean, there's probably a job for somebody just to go through my phone and my notes, and they could probably get a whole load of other posts. But then, I don't know, part of what, you know, part of what makes it fun for me is the spontaneity and just having that idea and just running with it. I have one last question for you because I know you have to go. I'm so interested to know what caused you to kind of reposition your brand to go from teaching people how to do their own PR to teaching people how to control their brand and content. Could you talk about that evolution a bit? Oh, yes, definitely. For those who don't know, um, my background is journalism. So I spent like 18 years writing editing for national newspapers like The Guardian. And I realized something quite early on, and that was that people were terrible at pitching into the press. So they would like write these dreadful press releases and pitches, and whatever. And I kind of thought, you know, I don't make very much money as a journalist, but I could make money teaching people how to pitch to the press. So I started doing that and I started this blog and that turned into a podcast. And I started like realizing that if I was writing a blog and a podcast, I needed to get people to consume it. So I started learning about traffic and SEO and social media marketing. So it all kind of snowballed from there. And then I made the decision to kind of sort of cut ties with journalism and well, not completely, but I kind of decided to focus on helping people with that. But it was really interesting. What happened was that I started almost to feel a little bit disillusioned with what I was doing because the thing about press coverage is that, I mean, it can be great. It's great for building authority and your credibility. And if I go to your website and you've been featured on these amazing like publications, then that's great. But even when I was speaking, it was always, it wasn't always, but sometimes it was a struggle to find people who could actually give me figures on the bottom line. Like I was featured in this publication and as a result, I got this many more clients or I made this many more sales. So although people really wanted to learn about it and they, they you know, got that kind of credibility, like I, I, I kind of almost started to feel like, I don't know nowadays how effective this actually is. And when it came to my own content, I knew that even though I've been featured all over the place in loads of newspapers, magazines, radio and TV, the thing that's been most effective for me has been my own content. And I just started to feel, to think to myself, you know, like we don't have to sit around and, and wait to be picked anymore by the likes of the BBC or you know, Sky or CNN or whatever. We can be out there creating our own content. We can create our own viral content if we're lucky. And then journalists will come and find us because what we're doing is interesting. And I kind of started to think maybe we've got this whole thing the wrong way around. And also when I was helping clients, like I, could help, I could help clients get into Vogue or The Guardian or BBC or or CNN or whatever, but then they'd be like, right, I've done that. And they're still struggling to make money. And I knew that actually things like blogging and social media marketing, and for me, the key thing is email marketing. That for me is how you actually make money in your business. 
So I started to kind of help clients, you know, yes, I can help you with this, but actually we need to look at your content more broadly. You need to be building your email list. You need to be doing social media. And I gradually, had, I just found that, like, I started off helping people with press. And then one day I was like, actually, only a tiny amount of what I do is helping people with press. But people see me as a PR lady and they say, oh, if you want to talk to somebody about PR, you go to Janet Murray. So I, I and I just got to the point where I thought, isn't actually what I do. And I remember I used to have this big Facebook group that had 13,500 members in it. And I went into the group one night and I said, look, guys, like things are going to have to change. Because basically, I, that's my other tip about getting engagement is share your journey with your audience, like get them involved every step of the way. So I said, look, guys, I think things are going to have to change because even though this is what I'm known for, it's not actually what I help people with day to day. And I just it just feels wrong to me. And everyone was saying, you're mad, you know, if you leave this niche behind, you know, like people know you for this, you, you know, you, you won't have any clients, your business will fall apart. But I knew I was right. And I knew that what the direction I was going was right. So I just basically just kind of stopped doing the PR thing. I started talking about, I mean, now I'd say probably what I specialize in is more kind of content, content marketing. And I just rebranded and I just got on with it. And I just turned all my, I had all this, my brand before was called Soulful PR. And as a result, I think I did attract some people that probably weren't my right clients. I attracted people that were kind of like a bit kind of woo-woo for me and a bit kind of airy-fairy. So I went reds and blacks and oranges and actually, which is much more me. And I just, just did it. I just rebranded it and said, look, this is what I do now. Um, and that was it really. And, you know, I was not surprised see that nobody really cared that much or was bothered they just carried on following me and what I was doing and now and again I get people still referring to me as a PR lady and I had to kind of like say actually I've moved on a little bit but but um yeah I just I just kind of went with it because in my gut I knew that was the right thing to do. I'm just wondering has it made a difference has it helped your business? Oh my god yeah like I mean I'd say my turnover has increased quite significantly and I just feel better about it because I feel like if I can actually help people get results. So with the press and PR thing, I always felt like, yeah, I've done that for that person, but has it actually really made a difference in their, in their business on their bottom line? Like now, if I can create help somebody to a lead magnet for their email marketing, so, you know, a mechanism by which you can get people on their email list, or if I can do, like I ran a sales challenge with my clients and I helped them like earn like £60,000 or something between them in the space of five but if I can do things like that, that are actually going to have an impact on the bottom line of somebody's business. If I can show them, you know, for example, I did like a Facebook page engagement challenge and I was taking people who were getting like no engagement whatsoever on their Facebook page from, you know, suddenly getting like, you know, 10, 20 comments. So that's percentage-wise, that's a big increase. If I can actually do that stuff that's measurable and people can see the impact on their business, they can see the bottom line, they can see people actually reaching out to them and wanting to work with them then I'm going to feel a lot better about what I'm doing because the press side of things, in a way, it feels a bit like it's kind of vanity. It's really nice to be featured in publications and programs, but when it comes to making money, I'd say that the marketing side of things is a lot more effective. And so I feel better about what I'm doing. I think that comes across. Um, I feel like I'm in a content, you know, that's, that's for me, I think as well, I don't think journalism is like obsolete anymore. It's not important. And, and that traditional media isn't important. But I think when you can just get out your mobile phone and we can just kind of, you know, get on WordPress and create a blog and you can actually have an impact through your own content, you don't need to wait around to be picked. I feel like it's less important than it was before. And I'd rather be helping people create content that's actually going to, you know, have a, an impact on the 
what's the matter of their business rather than just kind of make them feel good and then be able to tell their mom about it. Because <laughs> you know, that doesn't actually, you know, tend to kind of generate that much income. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think it's a really brave thing to make such a pivot, especially when you've got things like Facebook groups with over 10,000 people, right? Like it's mm-hmm. brave and people are going to moan and complain as they do. But like in your heart of hearts, you know what you need to do and you kind of listen to your gut, you take the leap. And I'm thrilled that that has actually also shown itself in the growth of your business. Cause I think that if anything should reaffirm that that was the right move, even when it felt like people were disagreeing. Right. Yeah. And I shut that group down. I just shut the group down before Christmas. <laughs> I had 13 and a half thousand people in it, but it wasn't serving me anymore because you know, I started off as a way to kind of build relationship with prospective clients. And I spent a year, you know, really trying to improve the engagement in there. And it just wasn't generating um, leads and sales like it had done before so I shut it down. And I do think that you have to be quite brave <laughs> um, sometimes. And you have to be, especially if you have a strong personal brand, you have to be willing to take some flat, you know, sometimes. But I think that was totally the right thing Beautiful. to do. Well, you have to go to Run Club tonight, don't you? I know this from social media. <laughs> Yeah. I do, yeah, yeah. I go to my running club on a Yeah, and so yeah. I'm acting like yeah. I knew that, but actually Lauren knew that, who knows you even less than I do. <laughs> she was like, Janet's got a run club. <laughs> let's let's make sure to wrap yeah. on time. <laughs> I love the fact you call it run club, though. That's great. I like Thank it. you, Janet, for we know how valuable your minutes are. So the fact that you spent them with us on brand therapy is really appreciated and really fun to hear the insights of how things have evolved and things that are working because I think back to when you and I met 2015 baby woo we sat in those big hotel armchairs after we met at a conference you came up with your book title and we talked you so came up with like the all book these title. Yeah. yeah fine you're right you're right but actually you said it out loud you said it out loud and I said that's your book title you're like it's soulful mm-hmm. PR I was like no you're it's not soulful and he's like you know, you said, you're like, well, this person's press release was breaking my heart. I'm like, hello, book title. You said it. <laughs> so it's just, it's kind of fun, right? To like be in touch and just figure out how all of this is working and evolving because it does feel a bit lonely at times. Like we're mm. kind of in it and it's like, I have to make decisions. Some people might like it because they trust me, but other people are going to complain, but you got to push forward. You got to keep moving the needle. So it's really cool to look back on all of that. Yeah, no, definitely. It's been a big old ride still and it's been good to have you on the journey with me i love it we we have many more journeys to come go put on (laughs) your trainers and get to work and thank you janet again for hanging out with us on brand therapy thank you thanks for having me so wow Janet just messaged me right now on Messenger saying, hope that was okay. And I immediately... Was it okay? Janet. Janet, you you perfectionist. It was wonderful. I immediately asked her the question that you just asked me in between recording. What is her Myers-Briggs? So I just asked her. She says the, the FJ one, I think, the rare one. What does that mean? Well, is she INFJ? We don't know. She just says the FJ. Well... It- but there are two other, there are two letters before it. I don't know. what. What's the rare one? I think INFJ is more rare than ESFJ or ENFJ or ISFJ. They all sound the same to me. Anytime someone asks me this question, INFJ, I'm like, ask Lauren. Very rare, very rare, 
They are not an idle dreamer, but capable of taking concrete steps to realize their goals and make a lasting positive impact. They see helping others as their purpose in life. And their real passion is to get to the heart of the issue so that people don't need to be rescued at all. I mean, that's Janet, isn't it? INFJ. That's Janet. That's Janet. I could have had that conversation for four hours with her and still not be through my list of questions because it's really amazing what she's built, how she's repositioned herself, as she said, like really evolved from press, which is arguably superficial. And I agree with it. It's a nice part of her brand, but it's not all of it. I'll never forget the first time I had a client and they were super focused on press, hired a PR company, paid just an obscene amount of money, got about 10 placements throughout the year. Only one of them returned on the investment. One in 10 actually led to sales. The sales didn't cover the cost of the placement, not even close. So I think to pivot to something, you know, just listening to where you're needed, what you're good at. Janet, right off the top of this conversation, said, here's what I'm good at, right? I'm good at making content and I'm good at making sales. So that's what she spends her time doing. Social media, you know, writing. It's so cool that she can repurpose content, which is something I've been really thinking a lot about learning about. And she's able to do that because she knows what she wrote. So it's really without overcomplicating things, which I tend to do. You do that less. I do that more. I overcomplicate things. But really, you can make content out of anything. Thank you for teaching us that, Janet. Mm -hmm. I mean, she just has a really like assuring way of making you feel like you can post anything. I think a lot of people are concerned about posting and being on brand or off brand or whatever. And to Janet, like it doesn't really matter. If you're having the conversation with a friend, you are the brand. Therefore, it should be shared with others. That's sort of at least what I took away from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of as simple as like thinking, what am I already doing? Like, what am I spending my day from the minute I wake up? What am I doing? How can that be interesting? How can there be something you notice? Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've said this before because we have. But like, how do you take inventory of that moment? Get it down. Like I use this app called I always forget the name of it. I just brain toss right to quickly (laughs) acquire that. I I know you just forgot it like an hour ago. (laughs) Quick, quickly acquire, quickly acquire that idea. Write it down. Janet writes something in her notes like, hello, simple, right? Whatever system works for you, find content out of the things you're already doing. Yeah. And I think also at least something that helps me when we're creating content for clients or at least coming up with ideas is, okay, so you've got your initial idea, like the thing you want to say, like how to make photography easy. I think like the key, and at least what I see Janet do is she doesn't just leave her content at that. She'll ask a further question, a deeper question on the same topic, and then use that to drive a new post. And I think like, don't overthink it. So like what's on brand, what's off brand, give it a little bit of consideration. But like at the end of the day, even regardless of your overarching brand, which we people pay us a lot of money, help them figure out, like you're the common thread, right? So even if it's not on brand to post something, if it's interesting, if it will garner a reaction for better or for worse, it means that you're staying on that person's radar. So for example, Janet, known as the PR lady, right? And now it's more content, like people still followed her journey even with that pivot. For every one person that dropped off, like a hundred people or more continued. 
not because of the brand or the way it's positioned, but because of Janet, the humanizing element, I think is important to note. Definitely. If you enjoyed this episode with Janet, if you took the time to listen, you need to tell us. We work very hard on this podcast and we want to know that you're listening. Hashtag brand therapy. I'm at Phil Palin. And I'm at the Lauren Moore. And by the way, if you enjoyed it, you could let us know by leaving a five-star review in the iTunes store, which helps other people discover this podcast. We appreciate it. Did you know that the iTunes store, the podcast store, is different for every country? So if someone leaves a review in the U.S., it doesn't count if someone's logged into the U.K. store. Did you know that? I did know that, but, so, but maybe our listeners didn't. Right. So every little effort for you to take two seconds to do it right now, do it, do it, do it. Um, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you for a great conversation, Janet. We could have you on again talking about something brand new like email marketing. We should do that. Yeah. But thank you in the meantime. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes right here on Brand Therapy. We will see you next time. Bye. Here's a little preview of our next episode of Brand Therapy. So my name is Carl, and my biggest challenge is that I have two paralleling careers that I love very much, and I don't know how can I set them together as one. 